Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live Inspire. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Well, being that the summer reading series has officially begun on The Way Home, today is no exception. It's going to be so exciting. I have two different authors on today with such two very different topics. It is just exciting and delicious because I just love, love, love being able to bring you great books and hopefully you can get them right away and uh, start indulging them over the summer. My first guest today is Machiel Klerk. I'm saying that correctly. He is Dutch and he has written a really fascinating book called Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. And boy, he knows everything there is about the dream state when we're sleeping and all it has to show us and guide us and help us and heal our lives. It's really fascinating. And he's done all the studies on it and has wonderful suggestions for how you can tap into your dreams for sure. And then right after that, we have Dr. Kevin Shuey. Now, Dr. Kevin Shuey is, yeah, he's a doctor. He's a cancer doctor, actually, for over 35 years. But you know what he does in his spare time and is doing it in such a way that you may be seeing it in the movies soon. Dr. Kevin Shuey writes a, a series of books called Bad Love Gang. Now, this gang of kids uh, actually goes back and time travels back to the time of uh, President Roosevelt and Truman and the world and World War Two. And they do this time traveling as you get to know their characters and they do all these solving of things that they wish they could do to help save the world. It's a young adult novel, but he says that really and truly the Bad Love Gang series is for all ages. He says zero to a hundred. So by all means, wait till you hear the story behind this because it has won over 350 awards all over the world, even at Cannes Film Festival and in Italy and in America, in New York City. These books are being shopped, as they say in the business, for either film rights or episodic streaming. So wait till you see Bad Love Tigers is the actual book we're talking about today. But the whole series sounds absolutely wonderful. And always brought to you by Balance of Nature, Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule. They do so much to enhance your life, like books. They're good for the soul, and they're also good for the body. Balance of Nature, Fruits and Veggies are 31 different fruits and vegetables in the capsules. And when you take three and three a day, you get 10 servings of vegetables. Hard to do, even in the summer, when a lot of the produce is really in it's in season and you can go to your local farmer's market and everything. That's wonderful. And we really should do that. Dr. Howard, who founded Balance of Nature, says don't ever stop eating your fruits and vegetables. But for those of us who can't get the 10 servings in a day, there is Balance of Nature to fill the gap. And it does it in such a wonderful way. And it truly is life changing. It makes you feel so wonderful. And, you know, this summer you're going to be active. You want to be going out and hopefully uh, taking some time off with your family and friends, but your nutrition should never, ever take a break. You need to have that every day. So Balance of Nature is easy to find. Just go to balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. But when you order, 
Make sure that you put my name in the promo code, Laura, L-A-U-R-A. That way you're going to get 35% off your first order and free shipping always. When we come back, Machiel Clerk with his book, Dream Guidance. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I don't know about you, but I have to be one of the most prolific dreamers of all time. I say that because there is not a night when I don't have, honestly, three or four movies going on. Sometimes it even feels like at once. And then even if I take a nap during the day because of my morning show and getting up at 4.30 in the morning and I take a little nap, I'm dreaming there, too. It's like never ending. But so often I've said to myself, if I only knew what all this was about, what is it trying to tell me? And wouldn't it be great if I could get some kind of guidance throughout these these so many dreams? Well, we have someone here today who is such an expert on all of this, and I'm thrilled because it's a topic that I think so many of us find absolutely fascinating. Machiel Clerk is here. He has written a book called Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. And on that, we welcome you to the show, Machiel. Thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Laura. And I'm um, additionally excited that you're such a dreamer. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I almost think, I'd, I don't know, like, is there something wrong with me? Uh, you know, because it, it, you would th- think that I would wake up exhausted because I, I just, I'm, I'm doing so many things in the middle of the night in my dreams. Is that normal to dream like that? Because I talk to a lot of people who are like, oh, I never dream. I've never had a dream once that I remembered. I've, I know people who mm. actually say that. And it's hard for me to believe. Yes, it is. Um, uh, actually, it is that people don't remember their dreams. We, we dream uh, two or three hours each night. And uh, because uh, our memory doesn't work well at night, we forget most of it. And yet it's a, it's a great uh, sign that you dream so much. Usually people that uh, are very creative tend to dream to remember their dreams a little bit more. And everyone. So if you're listening and uh, you want to remember your dreams. Remembering dreams is really easy. Set an intention, get a journal and a pencil, write it down upon waking. And within one, two, three days, you will have a dream and multiple dreams a week. Okay. So so you're saying the writing down of the dream is part of the unlocking the mysteries of what's going on in there and often has answers. I've done that before because I said, okay, I'm going to try to you know, make, make some sense out of these. And so I've written them down and then I read them like a year later and I'm going, okay, that's really crazy. And I'm not sure what it had to do with anything, but it would be so nice if there were a way to really to maybe either get answers, interpret them. And you're, you're an expert on all of this. I, I was very remiss in saying that you're a therapist, you're a dream expert. You're the founder of the Young Society of Utah and the Young Platform. And so you really you're not just someone who finds it fascinating. You have done, obviously, lots of research into this, into the, you know, the dream world of of people. And so you do have answers. But I, I what I love is that you have you say there are actual actionable steps to process these dreams yeah. and to have an incubation dream, which I want you to explain to us. It sounds like something that you have sort of discovered and coined. 
Yes. So uh, many, many aspects there, there in one. And uh, indeed, my own life has been really guided by dreams. So my own dreams started showing things that were really helpful or came up with an idea to start a, a company and that, uh, that uh, happened to work out. And I think um, that uh, or I know that is or that that kind of quality is alive in all of us, our own psyche or soul or whatever you want to call it. Uh, dreams itself into the world. And so very often our dreams either portray our psychological territory where we are in, almost like a psychological x-ray showing the uh, emotions and feelings we have. We can learn a lot about that. And uh, sometimes dreams portray where, where we're heading towards, almost uh, somewhat prophetic in nature, uh, but uh, w- what we're about to become. But there's also something in us that responds to us asking it, it a question. So we can ask our dream, how can I grow my business? How can I be more loving to myself? How can I find a partner? And then the dream will, uh, will help us because there's some mystery in us that is interested in helping and educating. And it communicates in many ways. For some people, it is through intuition or synchronicities in the outside world. Uh, and, and a way is uh, in dreams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've actually, I've known people, I have a friend who's, he's a famous guy who sells a lot of pillows, but he told me when we did a radio show together for a few years, he told me that he literally had a dream one night that told him the formula of how the pillow should be made because he'd been for years Mm. trying to find the perfect solution because he could never sleep on a pillow. So he was trying to find the solution. He said it all came to him in dreams. And then very often afterwards, different times when the company was growing and moving and encountered different issues and problems, it was in his dreams that he would find the solutions. Now that's really, um, is that unusual or is that typical? I think it happens to all of us. Uh, yet most of us uh, don't pay attention. It is uh, dream stock in a symbolic language very often, uh, metaphorical language. So it's very quickly uh, to think, oh, that, that is weird or that is strange. And uh, on top of it, uh, most of us are grown up in a culture that isn't very dream friendly. If we were born in, a, in an indigenous culture, probably in the morning we would come together and say, what did you dream? And then... Uh, really pay attention and think, oh, this dream might tell us something that is important to us. Well, if we all would engage that way, uh, we would uh, we would all see that the dream tries to uh, help us live our life. And uh, a great example of your friend who found uh, this, uh, this this formula in his dreams. There have been uh, Paul McCartney got uh, the song Yesterday in his dream. Uh, the largest oil field in uh, Kuwait was discovered in a dream. Uh, Nobel Prizes have been found in dreams. Uh, many artists see or get an uh, inspiration in a dream. So it, it happens all the time. It's almost like dreams have been really crucial in moving humanity further. And we are all tapped into that. It is, we're waves on the ocean. And so we're all connected to the ocean. And the ocean comes up in dreams. And by us paying attention to the dream, we can uh, we can get uh, answers. So everyone can try this tonight. 
Yes, as as quickly as tonight, people can. And I'm in part of your five steps. One of them, the last one, it is is reflect on the dream and determine the lesson it offered. That is something I do feel like I can I I can do. Like I will look at how I was feeling in regards to what was happening in the dream. The things that happened in the dream seem very unlikely yeah. to you know be real. But I, in terms of my response to those things and how I felt during them. Those I'm able to really pick up on, but it takes really, you got to get really quiet and you have to go in and you have to be, you know, kind of receive the, the information there. Um, so if one is able to do that, do you think in turn, then somebody can define what it is that the dream's trying to say, or is it just going to be your own interpretation of what you think is is going on is there something larger is there a larger so, sort of super consciousness that's got some answers in there well i think that uh, that our uh, soul or the world soul or the mystery of life is connected to all of us and that expresses itself also in our dreams and dreams are a bit complex that some dreams are far more personal uh, I've been in a in an argument with a colleague and I might have some argument in my dream. And if I look really at how the argument plays out, if I would ask the question, what is happening? And then I would see, oh, this person says uh, I'm sloppy and now I get really angry and then I start accusing them. Then I can see, oh, this is probably the pattern that I that I live out uh, in in day to day life, and I get maybe it's, uh, if they say I'm sloppy, I get really angry. So then I can learn that about my own self. And then there are uh, uh, sometimes dreams that are a little bit more collective, in which we get an idea or an, an intuition on how can I grow my business, how can I develop this uh, plot in the book further, how can I be a more loving person. Um, and and also that uh, happens. So it's on the very personal to a little bit larger where we deliver our gift to uh, the people around us. My guest is Michael Clerk. He has written a book called Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. And this is all so fascinating and wonderful at the same time. Um, I remember reading one time, well, if you write down on a piece of paper a question that you really want to have an answer to, you write it down, you put it under your pillow, and you ask to, to get the answer. Um, I think it worked for me, actually, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one time. Why I didn't continue the practice, I don't know. But is there any, with all of the research you've done on this and with all the people you must talk to about dream work, is, is there any validity to that? Yeah, yeah, that is that is what you say. There is really the 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 heart of what I describe in in my book on how to do this technique, and what you uh, it's it's been uh, validated by a research at at Harvard, and it comes back in almost any spiritual tradition. How you uh, did it is very close to the Egyptian tradition, where they would write on the papyrus roll and then put it under their uh, uh, hat when they would sleep. And then the next day, they would have a, uh, a, an answer. And yes. uh, the, the things in it that you, that you did well and, uh, is that you asked something that sounded like it was really important to you. Mm -hmm. So uh, the technique doesn't work so well if, if it's too vague, too abstract, or it's not relevant. But if you have a question that is burning in you, whether, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but it is your question 
ask that question, whether it is how can I better deal with this conflict? How can I be more organized? How can I be more loving? And then uh, write it down and then somehow create a ritual. The ritual really has to do with paying respect to uh, something larger, putting your intention that you want to have an answer, do something that shows the other side that you're interested. And then if you do that, the other side, uh, by its own nature, will come up with the best suggestion for you that is possible. Could it be something as mundane as, uh, you know, where should I move? Or is this guy that I met tonight a nice guy, somebody I should pursue? I mean, can you be that kind of specific and try to all at the same time? Yeah, you can. Better is uh, if you would meet a guy tonight, you haven't met him yet, go on the go on the date or go meet him and then first feel how you feel about it. So there's a little bit like uh, you need to do a, a bit of your homework first. And then when when uh, you've done your homework and you're, you can't go further, then you ask. So maybe you go out and you know immediately, oh, this is nothing. Or, hey, this feels good. And then... Actually, then you just go on a, on another date. But in a certain moment, you could say, what does it look like for me to continue to date this person? And uh, would it would it be, how would it be for me to enter into a relationship if you get to that point? And then your dream will come. And the easy thing of if, if by this technique is you could uh, 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 just read the dream against the question. So if you have a dream and you say, well, how does it look like for me to move to this city or to date this person? You have an open question and you look at the dream response. You have an uh, airplane crash and a car crash and a building that collapses. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not so great. You see a sunrise, flowers. Great. So you can just based on the feeling in the dream and the images in the dream, make a decision. And so that that type of dream work is is sometimes a little bit easier to read because you read it against the question. I like that. So, yes. And again, it helps you to really to kind of focus uh, the yeah. intention of it and then trust once you get it and try to pick it apart with the pieces. You can analyze your own dreams. I think at times I have a another dear friend, two friends, they're married and uh, Monty often tells the story. He's an author and an astrologer and, uh, she is an artist, but when he was, I think he was 12 years old or something, he told his father that he had a dream about riding a horse with a woman with purple hair. And this is back in the 60s. So, you know, everybody has purple hair now, but back then, not so much. And um, sure enough, 20 years later, he meets Amy and Amy to this day, they've been together 50 years. Amy to this day dyes her hair purple. And she's absolutely beautiful. But th- he saw her at, at yeah. as young as age 12 and went on, you know, and is still with her 50 years later. So I I just find those types of things so, so amazing. And it just really reminds us that, the, you know, our consciousness and our, our soul, you're also calling it. I love that. It's just so much more vast and so much more like in support of our dreams, I think, than than we give it credit for, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. It is uh, life can be a, a struggle, and yet uh, there's something inside of us or outside of us that uh, is present and uh, tries to help and to support and uh, and knows. And there's so many of these examples where the dream knows things that we cannot know, 
And so we can build a relationship with this knowing and ask it actually questions on anything we could even ask. Things that work really well are, how can I be more loving to myself? Uh, What is one type of food that would be good for me to eat? Or just say, dream, show me something that's important for me to know. And then uh, uh, next day, write it down, work on it. Half of the dreams make sense. The other half, you just need to puzzle a little bit on it. Read it a couple of hours later, tell it to someone. Maybe they say something. And uh, life conspires around you to uh, help you become you. I love that. It's a beautiful thing. And I even asked the other night, I said a prayer and asked for me to please not feel exhausted in the morning because I knew I was getting up in five hours to go to mm-hmm. the, do the radio early in the morning. And I, I asked that. And surprisingly, I woke up feeling so much better than the other days that I had done it. Was that setting an intention or was there someone hearing me or, you know, a, a greater, you know, I pray to God, but, you know, yeah. Well, it, 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 one doesn't exclude the other. Intention really comes from uh, the Latin word intendren means reaching out. So you're reaching out in an intention to something larger than yourself, whether you've got God or the divine or the mystery or soul, there's something, something larger than us. And by connecting to that, uh, we, we can learn that it is uh, uh, supportive it doesn't do all the work for us. And there's some, it's not like a genie, a wish fulfilling spirit that whatever I ask uh, shows up. But if I ask things that have to do with my soul or contribute to my, my, my be me more loving or my gift into the world, it, uh, it always shows up that way. It's incredible. And there is so much more where that came from in Michael Clerk's beautiful book, Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. I think this book is going to be a dream come true for a lot of people. So many people are fascinated by this topic. But you have the the true um, science and mystery and, and research and everything that goes into really understanding a topic. You have it all in this book, and I think people are going to love it. And um, I really, I, I'm grateful for it myself because I it's, it's sort of... Um, it, it really brings you back to this is something you can practice on a daily basis. It's not like, oh, I blew it. I haven't done it all these years. You can start tonight and record your dreams and dream big and think big. What a wonderful thing. Do you have anything else you would like to tell us that's going on with you or where people can find you? Well, I want to really encourage people, whether you believe this or not, uh, try it tonight. There's nothing, There's very little harm in it. Uh, treat it uh, as a fun experiment, write down a question, make it a simple question, uh, one question at a time, do a little ritual, do a prayer or sing a, a song, light a candle, and then write down your dream and, and, and see uh, how, uh, how it works. And um, um, yeah, people can visit my website. It's uh, my name. Hopefully it can be in the show notes because difficult Dutch name. Machiel Klerk, M-A-C-H-I-E-L-K-L-E-R-K dot com. And I have a workshop at Esalen in August, at the end of August. And there's still some some, uh, places available where we're going to do this technique for three days and and, and really trigger dreams for healing and creativity and relationships. 
And oh, I love this. And where is that again, Machiel? Where is your, your workshopping taking at, place? In Esalen, at the Esalen Institute in uh, Big okay. Sur. In Big Sur? Yeah. Yes, I've heard of that. Wonderful stuff. Again, Machiel Clerk, and I'm going to spell it for you once again. Not that he did it perfectly. I'm going to do it one more time so you can find this beautiful book, Dream Guidance. M-A-C-H-I-E-L. Machiel Clerk is K L. E-R-K. And the book is Dream Guidance. Machiel, thank you so much. This was wonderful. And I know that uh, you're really inspiring a lot of people today. Thank you for being on the way home. Thank you, Laura. And so so great to be with a fellow dreamer. On that note, absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, there are some people who have really interesting disparate careers, and sometimes they seem to not have anything to do with one or the other. And in fact, I interviewed someone with the same kind of credentials last year as well, an author who is also a doctor. And uh, so I'm very excited now that we've started our summer reading series to bring on someone with uh, an offering that is for, I would say, young adult, and we'll have him explain that a little bit more. But this is uh, a book that has been turned into a screenplay, and it has been absolutely sweeping, sweeping the whole world of, uh, you know, film festivals in dozens of countries, Cannes uh, World the World Film Festival, Madrid, Italy, New York, it, you name it, it is getting acclaim all over for all different aspects of the screenplay. And uh, so I'm very happy to have someone who has not only wrote Bad Love Tigers, but he's also an oncologist. No kidding. Dr. Shuey, Dr. Kevin Shuey, thank you so much for joining us today on The Way Home. Thank you for having me, Laura. It's so good to be here with you today. I just love this. I love the fact that there are People out there, your career in uh, radiology and oncology treatments, uh, cancer treatments for people spans over three decades. And yet you've also found it in your heart and in your time uh, to to write these this series of books, which is, like I said, getting acclaim all over the world, turning into screenplay. Tell us, how did this come about that uh, that you have two different lives going on, so to speak, in a good way? <laughs> you know, um, I I kind of teasingly uh, answer that question by saying I got struck by lightning. Um, you know, it was it was really uh, back in in very late after around Thanksgiving time of of 2018, and I'm a I'm a World War II history buff. It's one of my hobbies, and I read this story about this. A uh, plane called the Phantom Fortress is a B-17 bomber that landed in Kortenberg, Belgium in November of 44 all by itself. It, it sat there in the in the runway and um, they were waiting for the people, the, the you know, the pilots and crew to get off the plane. No one got off the plane and they were beginning to think the Germans were using it as a Trojan horse or mm-hmm. everybody was dead and injured on board. And they they probably drew drew straws, but a 
British lieutenant named John Crisp went out to the plane, found his way on board, and there were leather flight jackets on the floor, parachutes lined up against the fuselage, and candy wrappers open all over, engines still running, and no one on board. I mean, it was like, (laughs) but it's true. It really happened. I mean, literally, this is in the history books, and it's one of the unsolved mysteries of World War II. And I thought to myself, this is, you know, just before COVID's really getting started, but I thought to myself, you know, there could have been time travelers on that plane and they could have got zapped back to the future before John got on board and found the plane empty. Um, Because, you know, back in those days, Laura, those planes just didn't exactly fly by themselves. I mean, it's not like there were, you know, computer powered drones in World War II. And so that, that was the, basically the match that lit the fire inside me and i visualized my boyhood gang being uh, time travelers and I, since i was little laura i just love time travel but yeah. I, I i took it and i linked having these teenagers from the 70s going back and forth to world war ii and so um here we are now with book two is bad love tigers uh, turned into a screenplay, and today, to, literally today, um, we just issued a press release um, that it has now won just north of 350 international awards. Oh, my goodness. Dr. Kevin, this is incre- That's incredible. <laughs> and you're doing this all on the side, right? It's sort of your... Like when you get home from work, you kind of like just jump at the computer and start writing. Is that is that how and when when do you find the time to write something of such consequence in in today's world of media? Everybody, you know, there are just so millions of people trying to get their things out there. Where do you find the time to write something of this level? While you're working full time as a doctor, you know, I, I, I promise you, I am still working as a full time cancer doctor. I mean, you know, I could have retired, but I actually still love being a cancer doctor. But um, I have discovered that writing is really therapeutic for me. It just it literally takes me to another world. So I write at night. I write on the weekends. Um I'll I'll dictate to myself if I'm driving. Um, you know, it's funny how if you're passionate about something, you actually can find the time to do it. And yeah. so this has just been so much fun for me. Um, and it's been so unexpected. And so really, I would just have to say that I'm happily on cloud nine. <laughs> Oh, and and rightly so. In what universe, we don't know. So the book Bad Love Tigers is actually now, is this the second book in the series you said? It is. So um, book number one, which takes up that Phantom Fortress uh, uh, story and links it to these. So. So here's here's the, actually the the the, the storyline for, for all four books. So there's Bad Love Strikes, Bad Love Tigers, Bad Love Beyond, and Bad Love Medicine. And I have started book five, which is Bad Love Rising. 
But basically, and you're going to hear this this summer with this new movie Oppenheimer coming out. Um, you know, in in World War Two, we were worried that the Germans were going to win the race to get the first atomic bomb. And so, in my theory, is that that uh, Roosevelt, FDR, invites Einstein to the White House in October of '42, and tells him, Albert. I'm worried that the Germans are going to beat us to the punch to get the first atomic bomb, and we need a backup plan. So I'm commissioning you to build a usable time travel machine as a backup plan to the Manhattan Project. In the event that Hitler gets the bomb first, we will use it to go back in time and foil him. Oh, I love this. You know, I you're really now bringing to memory. I remember being young and I can't remember what age, maybe 11, 12, 13 or something, and watching that movie called The Time Machine. And I remember it was like I couldn't stop thinking about it literally for years after seeing it. Do you remember that one? It was in black and white. It's in oh, a, absolutely. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And it just absolutely piqued my interest. And, and I, I never really kind of could shake it off because the idea of time traveling was just so fascinating and so exciting to think about. So you have wo- woven this through with a backdrop of actual history. So there is a lot of real history in here in in terms of certain aspects of things you discuss, right? Because you, as you said, you're an avid historian. And so you sort of weave that into this story as well. But the, the story itself, um, you call it a blend of Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Back to the Future. Explain that. <laughs> well, because these are, these are teenagers that are linked with, they, they, um, actually kind of adopt a a World War II special ops pilot on their first mission. But basically, these are teenagers that are solving adult problems because adults tend to be boxed in with their own preconceptions about what they can or they can't do. But when you're a teenager, you're literally indestructible. And so you have these teenagers from the 1970s that are traveling back to the World War II time frame, and they're accomplishing things that you wouldn't think that people of that era could could actually get done. And so it and, and then you know one of the reasons I say this is so that's the time travel. That's you know the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're going back to World War II to accomplish a, a noble purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of these books have um, soundtracks of music from the 60s and 70s. And so, for example, um, in Bad Love Tigers, it starts off with You're So Vain by Carly Simon. I mean, how good is that? <laughs> and, and so it, it has like 30 songs in the soundtrack, and I call them out. In bold type, as you're reading the book, you know, it's like ask your Alexa to play, you know, Midnight Train to Georgia by Gladys Knight and the Pips. And so anyway, um, you see this in the book, you ask uh, Alexa to play the song for you, and it makes reading the book more immersive, like watching a movie. Absolutely. 
And so you have these young people that are really interacting with real history figures. Um, you know, so you, you, you actually interact with Roosevelt and Truman in Bad Love Tigers. And so um, I think think it's a winner because, you know, there's a Chinese spy, there's an Indian spy, um, they they go into battle against the Japanese and they go back to volunteer for the Flying Tigers in, in China. There's so many things that are making this successful on a global basis. And that's what's got me so fired up. It's like, oh. I don't know any of these people from 350 different, you know, uh, film festivals from South America to uh, United States, Canada, Europe, this, even even Russia and and Singapore and Australia. I mean, literally, Laura, it's, it's one everywhere. And I don't know these people. They're reading this and they're loving it. Kevin, I really, I just the everything about this, and and um, I have a whole bunch of things I, I that I want to touch on. First of all, your playlist. I saw the playlist of music that you're using as the backdrop to the book. Did you get licensing rights or whatever you call it, or do you not need them for the written word? So, um, as long as you're not quoting the actual, you know. Uh, uh, song itself within the book you do not need uh, you know any kind yeah. of approval for that and it, so um when we make the movie e- that'll cost some money i mean you'll have to pay for rights to have a soundtrack but you know it, this music will be like guardians of the galaxy i mean this is th- these are 60s and 70s songs my father was a jukebox vendor in st louis county when i was growing up and we had a Wurlitzer style jukebox in our basement with a hundred uh, 45 RPM records. Uh-huh. And so I'm the youngest of three children, two older sisters who were, you know, popular and they'd have all their friends and dance to the jukebox in the 60s. <laughs> and it imprinted me with a music brain. So I can be talking to you and it'll bring a song will pop into my head. And as I write these books, those are songs that literally popped into my head as I'm researching and writing this or that chapter. Oh, my goodness. I absolutely lo- I love the premise of that. I just think it's brilliant because it is so true. So much of our life is based on, you know, where we are at a certain time in the music. That's the backdrop to those times. And it it stays with you forever. It's indelible. Um, and it it's it's everything from memory recall to messaging within music. So I love that you're incorporating that. The other thing that I want to ask you um, before we wrap up, because this sounds like we, we could talk all day because this this whole project of yours sounds so incredible and what it's going to end up doing. But the actual gang. So you've got not the bad love gang. This is the group of teenagers that you've conjured up in this series of books, and they are teenagers. But they, I've, I've, I've read the descriptions of what each of them kind of represent in their personalities and such. Was this based and at all on on your own gang of friends back in the seventies? Nine of these characters are based on actual people. And we've now lost 
four of them. So we have five uh, surviving members that are in the book of the actual bad love gang. So these were real people. <laughs> and as you read it, you, 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 the characters are so well built into the story, but it's because nine of them are based on real people. And, you know, we all had nicknames. There was no political correctness growing up in the in the 60s or the early 70s. I mean, <laughs> my nickname was Bubble Butt or BB. And so <laughs> Bubble Butt or BB is the narrator of the Bad Love book series and, and is, you know, one of two main characters in the Bad Love Tigers screenplay. The other is Bucky, who's also based on a real person, um, but they interact with each other kind of like, you know, uh, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. That would be a good way to to talk about how they bounce off of each other. And, um, and but we had, you know, we had Goondoggy and Cleopatra and Bomar. And so it's, you know, I have to say that it it's it is therapeutic for me because it takes me back to my childhood. And I actually had a good childhood. I would go back there in a second. <laughs> mm, hey, and this you know what? It's a beautiful thing, um, truly, because, you know, when you think back to those times, we thought they were complicated. And I'm sure our parents thought that, you know, they were politically, you know, it was going in all sorts of places as well. But for us growing up sort of in that time period, you know, it was it seemed like a simpler time, an easier time, um, not for everybody, of course. But I know that I had a, a wonderful childhood back in the 70s and sounds like you did, too. And you're infusing some of that camaraderie uh, with this gang of friends here that I think is going to make these books just stand out and be so memorable because, there's just something so wonderful about that sense of belongingness and a, a, gr- a group think when it's, you know, something as innocent as your teenage years, perhaps, or young teenage years. Um, it has won all these awards. You said it's up to 350 now. Um, what is the next step? Is Has someone uh, stepped in to produce it yet, or are you right on the edge of, of enlisting people to produce it as a film or a miniseries or an episodic? So, um, yes, um, I have linked up with an executive producer in Los Angeles. Um, well, they found me. And um, and so I can't uh, because because of our agreement, we have a shopping agreement. They're shopping it to the major studios. Um, so I can't really say more than that right now, mm-hmm. but I can say that based on everything they've told me, I've gone from an infinitesimal uh, chance of getting the the screenplay made into a movie to a twenty percent chance now. So I'm up to a one in five chance of this screenplay becoming an actual movie that you and I are going to go to, I'll, I'll get you tickets to the world premiere. Okay, Laura. And we'll oh. <laughs> uh, t- get me a small part too. I was a theater major. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I would love that. You know, this sounds like it's just what the world could use right now. It really does. And I can see why it's so big. Can people find the books? 
Yeah, so I have a website, www.kevinshuey, so it's K-E-V-I-N-S-C-H-E-W-E.com. And um, you can hit the buy tab on the website and it'll take you directly to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, your choice. And it's available. All four books are available, uh, hardcover, paperback, Nook, Kindle, and even all four are on Amazon Audible. So if you're one of those people that likes to listen to books, all four books are available that way as well. And um also, I urge people to follow me on Instagram. Are you on Instagram, Laura? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> at, at Real Kevin Shuey, follow me. I'll follow you back after the interview today. So my my Instagram account has, and I have a TikTok account too, but at Real Kevin Shuey, all of these awards are put to music. You have to, you have to go on and, and look at some of those. It's so much fun. I absolutely will. Are you on Facebook as well? No, I am on Instagram and TikTok. And so um, I had I had to kind of, you know, decide it it, at some point you have to decide which ones you're going to do and which ones you're not, because otherwise you'd spend your life on them. It's a full time job. It seriously (laughs) is. But again, it's Kevin Shuey. At KevinShuey.com for you to buy the Bad Love Gang books, four books, Bad Love Gang, and they have each different titles. The one we're talking about today is the Bad Love Tigers. So four different books. Um, everybody's like them. If you're not a young adult and you're a little bit older than that, <laughs> like me, am I going to be able to enjoy it as well? Absolutely. We say that these books are good from age 10 to 100. Because really, they're historic fiction with a twist of science fiction. So if you like um, historic fiction, if you like action adventure, if you like sci-fi, you're going to fall in love with these. Oh, sounds great. I have a a long trip driving out east um, from the Midwest. So I think I have my listening cut out for me with Bad Love Tigers and the rest of the series. Dr. Kevin Shuey. What a joy and congratulations. And I can't wait. I'm I'm holding you to those tickets to the movie. Okay, you got it. No problem. I'll uh, see you on Instagram. How's that? <laughs> Thank you so much. For real. Thank you. Bad Love Tigers, everybody. Look for it at KevinChewy.com. I'm Laura Smith. You're listening to The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. So many good books, so little time. That's how I feel right now. Every time I get to meet one of these wonderful authors and hear about their books, I'm like, I got to put that one on my list. Well, I hope you're enjoying it so far. We just got started a few weeks ago, and uh, it's been a lot I don't know. It's been inspiring because so many of these authors are just they have s- such expertise in their own areas. And it's it's just interesting. So by all means, go out and get yourself some great books to read this summer. But in the meantime, we need a good news story to finish us up today. That would be Jim Cleefield 
on the lookout for all the good news he can muster. Well, I'm going to tell you about something uh, in neighboring Kentucky. I know you're in Indiana there, LJ, but this is a beautiful story about how an act of kindness has blossomed into a beautiful friendship that was years in the making. The genesis of this story happened back during the time while he was in eighth grade, Brendan Gould. He was given a kindness week challenge by his teacher, Miss Watkins, to you know do, do a random act of kindness for somebody. Now, he ended up uh, doing something for this woman. I don't know how they met. I don't know if they were acquaintances or they were strangers in the beginning. 84-year-old Miss Anne, that's uh, all she goes by. And he was uh, giving her like, daily gifts and things like that just for one whole week. Well, he didn't stop there. It just He just started just continuing to do this little act of kindness. I mean, checking up on her, giving her gifts, whatever it may be. And it has just blossomed into a beautiful friendship that's now in its fifth year, if you can believe that, just after a week of kindness back when he was in middle school. And he he found out something that they have in common together after getting to know each other, and that's chocolate. Now, who doesn't love chocolate? I love chocolate. You probably do. Bobby, you love chocolate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that they have in common. And uh, they spend a lot of time together getting to know each other, you know, talking about his high school years, what are his college goals. And they just really have started a bond. I mean, just this one little act of kindness, uh, something this teacher did. I mean, maybe he should have gotten extra credit. I don't know what happened with that. But it's just the fact that they just really got to know each other. And uh, his family is wonderful. In fact, uh, they are so close. He's like an adopted great-grandmother to him, which I think is really, really nice, uh, Brendan, doing that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just it just goes to show that no act of kindness uh, really always goes unnoticed, certainly not in this particular case. Some do, but in this particular case that, you know, this 84-year-old woman, I mean, really appreciated what this kid did, and he, he really has become like one of the family to her and vice versa. I think those types of relationships are so important. When you can get someone who is in their 70s or 80s or 90s and connect them with a young person and they form an attachment, a bond, so to speak, like you said. It is so, I think it's crucial for the for the future of our planet, really. It's, they can share things and t- tell stories and the young one learns from, and they both learn from each other and gain so much joy. I think it's what makes the world goes around, go around. Thank you, Jimmy. Always finding the good ones. You're I appreciate welcome, always. you. And you too, Bob. I appreciate you putting oh, the show together. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, did we wake you up? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, nobody knows why you said that. <laughs> because you could see me uh, kind of stretching. Yes. It's been a as, long as afternoon. As we do record on Zoom, I'm watching you stretch back there. But anyway, for the rest of you, thank you so much for listening. Grab a good book, maybe from the, the authors that we presented today. Have a wonderful time. And if you're getting ready to go away... Uh, be safe and have a fun, fun vacation. We'll see you next time on the way home. Lots of love. I'm Laura Smith.